Der Triathlon Show 364. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I interview sports psychologist Stuart Holliday about psychology in triathlon and endurance sports. We go through various tools and techniques that can be helpful in different scenarios, and we discuss a few common situations where sports psychology can be particularly helpful, and plenty of other bits and pieces relating to sports psychology. But before we get into this interview, a big thanks to our sponsors, Roka. Roka produces exceptional quality triathlon wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, performance sunglasses and prescription eyeglasses and sunglasses if you want to go faster in the water and then look to roca's range of wetsuits from the entry level to the top of the line wetsuits all of them come with arms up technology and exceptional quality and comfort in the water roca's tri suits work perfectly together with the wetsuits as they too come with arms up technology to really maximize your shoulder mobility for the swim and on the bike and run they are optimized for aerodynamics and comfort Roka's range of sunglasses and prescription glasses is also packed with innovation with patented technologies such as Geeko Anti-Slip technology. They are ultralight and they have excellent optical properties. Visit roka.com for slash TTS for 20% off your order. And thank you to Senate. The Senate Indoor Swim Trainer is a unique dryland swim trainer that allows you to improve technique, power, and swim training consistency. It is a perfect tool to complement your pool and open water swimming, as it allows you to do very specific power and technique work, including working on your catch and your core activation, and it makes it easier to stay consistent even when you can't go to the pool. You can even use it to do activation work before a pool or open water swim, or you can do swim bike brick workouts more easily. You can try the Senate risk-free for up to 30 days, so if you don't love it, just send it back. And you can get a special TTS bundle including the swim bench and a bunch of Senate training plans and on-demand workouts on senatesumtrain.com for slash TTS. Now without any further ado, here's my interview with Stuart Holiday. Welcome to the Dutch Show, Stu. How are you doing? I'm very well, Mikhail. Nice to be with you today and thanks for having me along. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Can you start by giving an introduction uh, to the audience? Tell us more about who you are. Okay, so thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm a sport and performance psychologist, and I've been doing this kind of work for about 10 years. Before that, I worked within business, had a career out of university with that for about 10 years. And when I started in the sports psychology world, I was working for Professor Steve Peters, who's most famous probably for the Chimp Paradox book, which a lot of athletes Um, use in being able to understand their mind what's going on inside their head and be able to control their emotions in performance Uh, made famous by the likes of uh, Sir Chris Hoy and Ronnie O'Sullivan the snooker player I was lucky enough to work in Olympic sports so I was covering the um, archery Olympic team for up to the Rio Olympic Games I also worked for British Paralympic swimming for that uh, cycle as well to Rio and also the England netball team. And in my last sort of big role uh, working alongside Steve, I was at uh, Liverpool Football Club in their academy. So I got a really broad range of different sports, individual and team within the sports psychology realm. I did lots of hours and got lots of insight, knowledge and learning from there. I always was in my own time, an endurance athlete, 
I love cycling. I love running and participated in various events on that side. And then in 2017, set up as a um, solo practitioner with my own private practice. And I now work in the fields of sports still. So I still have some football work, but predominantly my focus is on endurance, where I've specialized. I've done research in the area. I'm writing a book on the psychology of running with a fellow professional. And I help athletes in triathlon and in running like marathons and endurance sport of any kind uh, to be able to work on their mental fitness, if you want to put it in that language. So whilst people are training um, in their different disciplines, I, uh, physically I have athletes come and want to work with me who want to improve their mental game. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, what uh, led you to change from the business world to sports psychology in the first place? So I did an undergrad psychology degree um, way back when. And when I came out at the end of it, there were quite a lot of people that I knew uh, on my course who were really clear at 21, 22 that they wanted to work in the prison service or they wanted to work in clinical psychology or possibly educational psychology. And I came out from doing the degree, which I really enjoyed, but I was like, I don't know what field within the discipline I want to go down. And I'm still young. I don't have to make that decision now. And if I'm, you know, if you're working with people in their minds, I knew you had to be really clear about the kind of work you wanted to do. I didn't want to kind of just go into a field for the sake of it. So I decided to go and do something completely different and work in business, get some knowledge and skills in that world. And I was lucky enough to get taken on a, a tech firm. And so I specialized for my career, my first career in tech and in the business world, which I did enjoy. And it got me a really good foundation. And I, at the same time, I was beginning to be involved, like I was saying, in endurance sport. I took it up myself and I found a real passion for it. And thinking back to my psychology and then actually participating in events, I could see for myself how important it played a role in how well someone performs. And I was helping out coaches at an athletics club. And I just decided that sport must be the area to go in. I did my research and ended up doing a master's back in 2008 and got great training, which led me down this path that I'm on now. Mm. And and what then made you, uh, when you, when did you say it was 2017, 2018, move from, uh, let's say, the working with, with the Federation or the Olympic teams and so on to setting up your own practice? I got... I got a lot of exposure and um, experience working in those fields. I had thought about going in front of the cycle. I even uh, took to a couple of interviews. I, but, but when you work in that world, it is a huge uh, undertaking. You are away a lot um, with squads. It's very time intensive, very energy intensive. And I wasn't getting any younger. And... Just the opportunity came up and this is what I wanted to go and do. And thanks to having uh, quite a few ongoing private clients, I was able to just get started. And I also hadn't fully finished what's called chartership in the British process of becoming a sports psychologist. Yet I had all of these hours under my belt. So I wanted to be able to go away and study and delve into um, 
getting behind the learning and getting into some of the theory and really, really understanding my knowledge even more, having done applied work and combine that. So I was able to set up practice work and get that chartership about four years ago now. Yeah. And just gives me a really great access and understanding. So it's sort of like you see people in different fields, law, um, accountancy, um, MBAs. It's kind of being able to take your practice to that level, I guess you could could look at it. And ultimately, I love working with athletes. I like working with people in sport, coaches like yourself. And it's still a really unknown and under represented kind of part of performance yet simultaneously everyone says it's so important so for me i think there's a long long way to go with the incorporation into endurance sport in particular there's not many people i know in this world who are doing what i'm doing um and yet when i may you know i bump into athletes at all levels and often if you say that one you're a sports psychologist and two this is the area you're interested in you will have your brains picked <laughs> yeah um and that's what, know, that's what, that's I guess what, I'll, that's what I'll try to do today. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say, you know, you've kind of got me on here. And I, I guess for you, there's an element of your own curiosity, but equally you've got a listenership who, you know, um, if you do triathlon, you are seriously dedicated to your sport. You know, if you're not swimming, you're running. If you're not running, you're cycling. And then, like, go back, rinse, repeat. And it's very exhausting it's very uh, tiring but people are highly motivated they really want to push themselves and and that for me um if we get to the crux of why i love doing what i do is uh, some people say to me oh do you help motivate athletes and the truth is i don't need to because you know yourself if, if you if you're meeting someone who's done a one or two triathlon competitions and they they want to do more you don't need to put motivation in them it's there already yeah, no, that's that's true. So, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that we can and will go into during today's interview. But what I will start with here is just ask you to, if you can list some of the most important tools in uh, what I have termed here your mental training toolbox. Uh, I don't know if you have a better way of, uh, of yeah, better term to use. But but yeah, can you discuss some of the some of the strategies that you help uh, help your clients with when it comes to, as you said, the mental fitness part of their uh, of their triathlon performance or endurance sports performance? Sure. So I guess maybe just to kind of give a light, slight nuance flavor to how it is to work with a sports psychologist. Um, part and parcel of what people will come through the door with will be exactly what you've just asked for can you give me some specific help with a specific thing um in my discipline in my competition and more than happy to go down that route and obviously like i was just saying there about that experience the research angle and the um applied work i've done across different sports these things are really important and I think everyone can get better at them. And um, the work that I do is helping understand the athlete in front of me, their particular makeup, their particular needs and give them what, what tools in that toolbox fit. But also there is an element where I guess the first part of it is when you look at an athlete in whatever sport, some people can go and do that discipline and they don't have to exert much mental um energy to it because 
maybe they've got a really strong mental game already. They, it, it's almost like they don't want to, don't want or need to think about it because they're doing a great job already. Um, people, you know, in say strength and conditioning, you might have someone whose ability and strength through just their genetics and how they condition themselves. They don't need to go to a strength and conditioning coach and get a lot done because they've got that side of their work already well locked down and they're kind of almost doing it on autopilot. So it's not necessarily for every person and um, that that's fine. And then most people though can benefit from um, attending to whatever's going on inside their mind. And I think there's a crucial piece, the nuance piece that I'm trying to allude to is um, I'm not saying you have to work with a professional in order to get the understanding and insight into how the mind works, but you need to kind of take a little bit of a step back first and build some self-awareness and take some time to work out what is it where I may be particularly strong in my mental game. Some people, for instance, really struggle with um, how they feel before a competition. Uh, Other athletes really struggle in the heat of battle when they're kind of beginning to tire and their, their head drops a little bit and they can't get them lift themselves back up. Uh, other people sometimes really struggle with injury and how that mentally hits them. So you've got to kind of really understand what your, what your best uh, skills are and maybe some of the areas for development. And I think that nearly everyone can um, uh, benefit from, one understanding that and then there are resources out there that you don't need to search too hard for um there are some great books um which if you're into endurance sport for instance you'd easily find without looking too hard uh, can, can, you give some, can you give some examples of of great books that you would recommend okay so sometimes people feel they i'll take one from the very top there uh some people feel that in the in the heat of battle, when it really comes to the crunch point, they don't have the tenacity to really go to that place of like uh, the pain cave or um, they can't push themselves hard and they want to. And if you look on um, Amazon or any endurance um, advice site, you'd see something like a book like How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald. Yep. Um, that would be that would be a great starting point, and you know the book almost tells you on the on the front cover what it's about, <laughs> and uh, a method by which you can kind of begin to uh, tease out how to push yourself into a into a dark place that we sometimes go in endurance sports. Mm. Um, so I think if we if we try and take a shortcut without losing the audience, Mikhail, I'll say that the first thing before delving into the toolbox is more self awareness. Um, and you might think that that's a real obvious given, but it, it, it isn't because we don't, we're not trained to think in this world that we, we live in, whether that's in our sport, in our work. We, it's something which I'm very passionate about. I think we could all improve from courses on like what's going on inside our minds, understanding about um, meta thinking, thinking about our thinking, and just learning about um, how our emotions work. What kind of person are you? Are you cool and calm, collected? Are you someone who can fly off the handle and have a bit of a temper on them? Um, how do these kind of parts of your character help or maybe hinder you in your performance? But digging into some of the things which you've specifically asked about here on your question, 
Like what are the things that people can maybe get better at and have in their toolbox? And I think when we when we stand back and look at if we've if we've already boxed off the understanding yourself part, if we if we just have that as a broad part to get you going, um, one of the key key things is that I would always be starting a conversation with um, with an athlete would be, okay, imagine you are in a race, imagine you're at a competition. What's it like? What's what's it like from that experience of being with you at that competition? If I could be inside your head, Mikhail, if you're doing in a half Ironman, I'd be saying to you, what's it like to be inside your head? What's the conversation like when no one else is there and what you're saying to yourself? Is what you're saying internally something that's really positive? Are you are you really fired up and excited to be there? Are you are you positive and we can do this? In, in how you're talking to yourself? Is it like you've got a little coach inside you that's like cheering you on? Or, or like a lot of athletes, when it starts to get hard or maybe when there's fear, doubt, or maybe comparison to the other competitors, is what you're saying to yourself maybe a bit more negative? Is it a bit more um, unfair to yourself potentially or, or not helpful? You know, people can go really negative in a, in a, in a race. You look at you know, like an Ironman competition where you're out on out on the course for 12 hours. I'm sure, the conversation inside the uh, any competitor's head is not going to be pretty and lovely the whole time. <laughs> um, and what we're talking about here is the the the, the concepts in, in sports psychology of self talk. And you don't want to be having like a personal commentator inside your head for 12 hours because that will absolutely exhaust you in, in a Ironman competition. You need to be it, it, it's a real pacing um, um, performance that you need to do across 12 hours because you need to be able to effectively switch off and let your discipline take care of itself at times. And then there's other times where you need to be able to really switch on. And, you know, I'd imagine, say, when it's um, coming to transition zones, for instance, when you're leaving the swim to go to the bike, you know, you've got to really, you know, be very, very um, switched on to the, the shift in your body movements um, in the swim, uh, going onto the land, being able to be really attentive and find where your bike is, have a process for your actual transition itself, and then like switching, switching gears mentally as well as switching gears on your bike to, to um, uh, get a really good start onto the bike phase of triathlon. That's just one example, for instance. So um, when, you, when you talk about switching on and switching off here, is it, uh, are we still talking about the self-talk part of like switching on yourself, this, your self-talk and switching it off? Or are you talking more in a general sense of switching on and switching off like your, I guess, your attention or, or um, yeah, what do you refer to? I think that's a really, I, I like the way that you phrase that because it's both. So the first part of that is, you know, if you're, if you're in a really good rhythm and a really good um, um, place with your swim. We, if I was, if I was in, if I was that inner coach inside your head, if I was hearing what the, the voice was saying, I just want to, I just want to hear like kind of very low level noise about like being able to catch the water, to be able to, assuming that you're not like completely hemmed in with loads of other swimmers around you, that you were, you know, you've got a groove, you've got a rhythm, and you're just letting the swim happen. But then, like, if you're looking ahead and you're seeing that like it's not that far to being able to go to say the transition 
then we might want that self-talk to be able to increase in order to be able to like talk yourself through the trans up to the up to and through and out of the transition phase again you know like having your own personal inner coach um within you being able to there's a there is a concept in in psychology um which is kind of like talk instructional um therapy so sometimes where you have a very stressful or pressured situation one way that you can get through it is almost to be commentating on what you're doing which might sound quite robotic and very boring but if you're looking to execute um really really well on a crucial part of your performance maybe being a bit neutral and a bit bland is better than being over hyped and over emotional so you've got the aspect that you're saying there like is the self-talk about kind of an in nature of tone but also what we're trying to do is kind of make it somewhat instructional because if you imagine how your body must feel as you're going from say that phase of the um, performance onto the bike your body and blood is all kind of all over the place and your mind is the thing that's controlling your performance so as well as talking yourself through it then it's like about being able to um give the actual motivational and instructional parts together which will if done well will lead to a hopefully better performance that's what the evidence tends to show so i guess does that answer your question on both parts yeah and you you got it there at the very end with the motivational part of it because i i was going to ask if um because until then you talked a lot about the instructional part of it which i think yeah. is something that a lot of people myself included maybe don't think about and maybe don't do really in races like using self-talk in those moments of the race when you might need or might benefit from some kind of that inner coach as you say being quite instructional with how you go about let's say your transition or whatever uh, specific point of the race that that is quite critical and and where you might benefit from that uh but we, we tend, I, I, I think we tend to think a lot about the motivational part but not about the instructional part and and your question was uh, the second part was about the attentional process and if you think about say this point that i keep coming back to just a hypothetical transition in a really key race that you spent months training for um when we're under pressure when we're feeling stress and stress isn't all negative stress is almost like the body's call to action from the brain we we have a narrow channel with which um almost through the mind that we can give limited amounts of instruction and you know it's tiring it can be very exhausting you you want to keep your instructional language very simple very to the point as positive and not emotionally kind of um jumpy as 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 is as is possible and again like i was suggesting coming out and knowing where your kit and equipment i know in triathlon when i speak to triathletes the kit is such an important part of it it's like a another aspect of the person's performance that they they really put a lot of value on and, and see as important and we need to not diminish that and say we acknowledge it and okay but like you 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 just need to get from point a to point b as gracefully both physically and mentally as possible and and give yourself the best chance of a clean getaway and that's that's what i'm saying about your attentional focus and so one of the things that we talk quite a lot about me and one of the people i work with closely in sports psychology is about chunking 
and obviously a triathlon, you have three chunks already in the uh, swim, bike, run. But even within each of those, and you know, we could e- even chunk it more if we can include the two transition zones. Um, but equally, even within the um, different parts, you ch- you can chunk stuff down. And what I mean by that is um, over the course of a certain kilometer's distance of, say, cycling, you're not going to think, oh, my God, I've got, you know, this huge bike ride to do or I've got the marathon, the 26.2 miles at the end of an Ironman to have to get through. You've got to break it down to more manageable um, pieces. And when, when things are going really tough, you need to be able to chunk down into even smaller packages sometimes just to go from to get yourself through a really difficult phase of your competition from um where you're running or cycling to here to a landmark in the distance and just focusing purely on that little part to sort of help build up your um your your navigation through a really difficult mental and physical part of the competition Mm, yeah no that's that's a great point and that, that is something that uh, yeah, I find personally I have used a lot and recommended uh, to my athletes use. For example, breaking up the the run into let's say um, four equally uh, long segments. It can that can work quite, quite quite well because actually a lot of races have four laps on the run, like where it, where it's four mm-hmm. times five and a half kilo five point something kilometers for a half marathon or ten point uh, five kilometers for for a marathon. So so that kind of but also it depends on the speed of the athlete i find if it's a slower athlete then breaking it up into something that will take them um a, a, a lesser duration than let's say 10.5 kilometers it can even be aid station to aid station take it one aid station at a time but mm. as you say uh, it makes sense as well that when you get further into the race and and it starts to get really tough you you might break it down into smaller pieces than you did before when you were feeling good um mm. I want to ask about some other tools as well before we get into some specific sure. scenarios. But um, do you talk with your clients a lot about goal setting? How does that play into uh, sports psychology and the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, both in training and and for the thing that you're training for. So within, you know, you might set yourself at the beginning an outcome goal of I want to do an Ironman in less than 12 hours or something like that. Um uh, 10 hours whatever you know you you're, you you've got to kind of have the, the big prize that's going to get you excited because you're going to have to dedicate so much of your time to train for it and that would be something that you you work with a coach and maybe first timers just want to say you know i want to go and get round i want to complete the um triathlon and ideally i want to have a great experience um uh, if it's the first time they'll hit a personal best whether <laughs> whether it's a really good fast time or a slower time it, it, it makes no difference obviously more experienced athletes they're probably looking to make gains on previous performances um so then you look at your performance goal which would be around maybe a time uh, maybe you've got specifics that you want to improve on one leg of the um triathlon um journey and um it, you need to set goals both for the race itself and sort of get yourself excited with that but they've got to be realistic but you might not be in a place at the beginning of your training block to be able to um, know what that number looks like you could maybe have a ballpark figure but really it's like okay so in 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 training as well how do you set your goals for what's going to take quite a lot of time 
Um, and like we were saying about the chunking, how you can break that down and how you can stay motivated over the long term. Um, and also say something goes wrong in training, you get an injury, you've got to be able to be have a flexible goal plan, but also you've got to also take your injury um, setback as an opportunity for learning, an opportunity for growth, and an opportunity to test your sports psychology. And where I've had really interesting conversations in the past year with a number of different athletes in different disciplines is treating injury as almost like a competition within itself. Inevitably, if you're pushing your body to its limits in training and competition in endurance sport, something's going to probably falter at some point. And how you choose to uh, be psychologically is going to have a big impact on how you cope with it. Um, some people can go in a really dark place being injured because they don't like the fact they're injured. Um, and it's put them off their main goal that they've set. So goal setting is a crucial, crucial piece. And I think also being able to know where I said at the beginning, being aware of your psychological strengths is a really important part for me. Understanding um, goal strengths, you know, you could be working toward, you know, it's a, there's so many component parts within triathlon training. Um, which goals are going to get you excited for specific things? Because it could be um, you're really good in one area and you want to get better at it. That's one way you can set a goal. It could be you've had a you've really flunked out in one part of your discipline, and you go to your next triathlon. And you're like, you know what? The one thing where I've got the Achilles heel, maybe it's the swim. Um, I'm going to work with my coach. I'm going to work really hard at my swim phase because it's where I've got the greatest area for development. If you summarize it uh, real quick and briefly, what are the purposes of or the purpose of having a goal? Uh, and let's say it's an outcome goal for a race, or which could be just completing completing the distance. But 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 you mentioned already, like it's going to get you motivated to do the training. But are there any other reasons why uh, why setting a goal is a good thing? I love the old Bandura quote that you wouldn't just get in a cab and say to the driver, take me anywhere. <laughs> um, having a goal gives you, and your your psyche is like a child almost, you know, like there's a, that we all have different aspects to our, the identity of our, our characters, the parts of ourselves that we really, really like and think are great. Maybe some parts of our character, which maybe aren't so pretty when we're under pressure and under stress in particular. And when you're when you're setting a goal, it's talking to the uh, different parts of your psyche, like so that kind of innocent child part of you that's like really really excited. It's like, look out! What if I offered you a personal best in a half Ironman? How much is that going to uh, get you excited? And you know, you, you're a triathlon nut, and you turn to me and say, "Stu, that's fantastic!" I'm, you know, it, it would be like it would always be that that that. that kind of like kid part of you which is talking and saying to to uh, me that you're you know you're really up for the fight and the challenge and like really full-on but there's also a bit more of the maybe the mature older mikhail who's like yeah but that's going to take a lot of work if i'm going to go quicker than i've ever gone before the amount of work the amount of training that needs to be there the discipline and the maturity that i need as an athlete and what you're doing is holding these two different parts of you and kind of ideally combining them so that that you you indulge both and perform at your best when it comes to race day and with regard to having goals during training as you mentioned 
Um, can you can you give some examples of that? So let's say, for example, I'm going to do my first ever triathlon, a sprint distance triathlon. I just want to get around, uh, but I I don't really I haven't really done much swimming or biking. Maybe a little bit of of running is a very typical background to get into triathlon. Um, mm. What obviously then I have the goal of completing the distance which is a good motivating goal i think but but what about setting goals for training uh how what would that look like in this specific scenario well i'm really keen on um i I love doing baseline measurements with people um so it's like okay um if you've never done this before um and you know that in a sprint triathlon you've got a 5k run um it's entirely possible you could do a 5k on its own um untrained and just go out and see see what time you get if you just go you know untrained and you and you're you're not injured and you you you've done all the care to be able to not do yourself damage but go and try and post as quicker time see what see what you get and then whatever time you get from there you can go and use a calculator online and say well my training speeds that i need to get better at my 5k are x y and z and so if i've got eight weeks to my sprint triathlon and i've done my test 5k and it was really hard physically and mentally i've now got a baseline that i can more or less have a good idea about what i could do if i trained really well at that and the same goes for the swim the same goes for the bike um and and then you can kind of you've got you've got something as a gauge to kind of go off and that would be the initial part of the goal and if you've had that baseline, you think, well, I want to get better. And, you know, you've, you've gone all out and you found that, you know, towards the end you were flagging and feeling really mentally challenged. You could also not just have a time-based goal, a performance goal, but you might say, you know what, in this training block, I want to work at my mentality so that when it gets really hard, I can work on some of these skills. I heard that guy on the that triathlon show podcast talk about maybe some of this self-talk maybe i can use some visualization um maybe i can chunk a 5k run to make it that bit easier um and one of the things whether it's an experienced or novice athlete i do when i get them to work with me is to sort of set the mental side of your performance as a goal in itself and you know how can you going into it define where you're at and how could you what's going to be success on the mental side of your performance at the end so again it's breaking it down into smaller parts so that even if it's you know your performance isn't really consistent or really um top notch you've got things which you can work on and feel positive about and uh be making small minor improvements at the very least and what would setting um setting a goal for your mental performance look like for uh, you can use the same example here with training for your first sprint triathlon and and having a 5k baseline run what what Mm. yeah what what could what could would be an example of of setting a goal for your mental performance i mean i i I say to my athletes you know like what kind of what kind of experience do you want let's pretend you finish your triathlon now Mm. yeah so you you, you've got we've got this brain in our head that's got the capability of imagining a future um that hasn't happened yet when you finish this triathlon do you want to feel like it's been an absolute slog and that mentally you've been wrestling with yourself all the way through it or do you want to accept that if you're going to put yourself in a endurance competition it's going to be hard physically and mentally how do you want that experience to be how do you want to look back at 
both the race itself and beforehand your training block. And when you sit down with people and you have that conversation, and even if you didn't work with a psychologist, but I, you listen to this and take on board what I'm saying, you could sit there and write out, I want to uh, I want to be able to get round. I want to be able to enjoy the experience. I want to be able to look back at the fact that I completed all the training, ticked off all the sessions, that I pushed myself, um, that I um, had as good experience on the day when my head started to drop, that I um, had a tool, a psychological tool or skills that I've been practicing in my training that I was then able to try and use in the race to have a good experience and not fall down a negative spiral these are the, the you know these are things within our control if we take the time to think about it so mm. that might be one way that anyone could get started about it thinking about the experience before it's actually happened and then take that attitude into the training and racing mm. and and you mentioned uh before uh vis- visualization how and when when and how would you use a tool like that well i mean what I've just explained there is actually a visualization technique that we can use. Um, you know, sit down for a moment and like, you might not know the course that you're about to go and do for your first ever triathlon, but that could be something for you to go and look at. Often with uh, my athletes, I'll say, you know, go online. (laughs) You can see people record courses for races sometimes. So you could see what it looks like when you're there. So you, there's a literal visualization piece that you could do. Um, maybe you live near to where your first sprint may be. So you could go out in the car or on your bike or even on a walk and go and have a look at where you know it will be roughly. You could always look online at maps that um, competi- competition um, organizers put out there. And you could literally just then spend some time thinking about what's it going to look like on the day? What's it going to look like when I'm whizzing along on my bike um, through this countryside or in this city what's it going to look like when i'm running around this town center um and then combining both what it would look like visually to you as you're doing it with and how do i want to be thinking a bit like what we were saying earlier about the self-talk you know if i'm really tired and i'm flagging how am i going to pull myself around to have that better conversation what's it going to feel like when i'm like at the end of this triathlon and like you know i'm i'm tired i'm fatigued how can I push through that? And and when we visualize um, both with with using all of our senses as much as possible, both our imagination, what it looks like, how it feels, um, and what it might hit sound like. Because often, if you're doing a triathlon, say in a in a city, and there's a lot of people there, you're going to have a crowd, you're going to have cheering, you're going to have noise. So you know you've got to consider all these different elements, and you could you can you could begin to visualize the broader race sense, but equally um, on interval training, which you might do in the pool or on the uh, bike or in the in the um, running, for instance, they're probably more smaller pieces of work where visualization can, again, be very helpful to um, break down and get through difficult parts of your training. Because when you're doing that short, sharp work, yes, you're not out on your feet for a, a long um, session, but it can be quite hard because you're pushing your body to its physical limits. And how would you use uh, visualization in in a hard running interval session, for example? Well, I mean, we know that in reality, at the start of um, a session, we're likely to feel a bit more fresh. We can 
not quite switch off, but be quite relaxed. Um, and gradually the session is going to get harder. So then it's like, well, think through before you go to the track, if you're doing, I don't know, six by eight hundreds or something like that. The first couple might be quite straightforward. And then, okay, what do I need to think about as the session goes on? Well, from a visualization point of view, how do I want to be, um, if, if I'm coming up against the barrier of the pain, how am I going to get through it? And, you know, you could break down into your visualization. Well, I'm imagining running around the track and I can, I can use the bends and the straights and the furniture of the running track as um, ways to make it easier to get around. It could be that I'm um, thinking about my running form so I could see myself on the fourth or the fifth of those hard 800s. And because physically it's hard work, I can see myself collapsing, but I'm telling myself to um, lift my chest up, lift my head up, get my leg turnover going, use my arms. And in that way, that's where, you know, both the visualization of how you should look with the verbalization of how you want to talk to yourself come together and again provide you with something very strong very tangible which the more you do it in training the more easy and accessible it is in the race situation what you do in training I'm sure as a triathlon coach you say to your athletes what you do in training consistently and consistently well will play out more likely in the race scenario it's the same for the mental side of performance no, exactly. Yeah, uh, the principle of specificity is something that I'm quite big on <laughs> when it comes to training, mm. and I'm sure that applies in uh, psychology as well. Um, mm. the one one thing we hear about visualization is to visualize different scenarios in a race. So let's say mm -hmm. may, maybe may, maybe you visualize having a flat tire, or maybe it raining on the day and you still being able to take the descents well on the bike, like that mm. sort of thing. How how do you how do you think about those sorts of things like do you just visualize a standard race video in your head or or, or do you do you recommend doing that kind of multiple scenarios including overcoming obstacles or how you deal with with certain obstacles well i think first of all we've got to live in the real world a lot of the people who are listening to this are probably not pro athletes they're, they're people who are working hard and they've got a really busy schedule maybe they've got things like families or maybe a uh, relative they might have to care for as well or whatever your circumstance and they're trying to fit triathlon training in and they're hearing me and you talk and thinking okay guys that's really great but in reality i've got such limited time i don't know if i can do fit in all this self-talk and all this visualization and all this um uh, chunking that they're talking about i'd always encourage you to be thinking about that in your training so what you what you can be doing is rather than having to think too much about um fitting this in on top of training this is what you should be doing during training um and you know maybe you're doing a long run as part of your overall training and you could be thinking about different visualizations for exactly the situation Mikhail gave one i'd say you, you just want to if you've never done this kind of work before it's worth trying to take some time to do do it going well and understanding what the visualization is uh, like i was describing for a difficult track session or a difficult um swim set for instance but if you're you know if you've got the time of a long triathlon training definitely maybe in taper that's a good time to think about doing some thinking about the what ifs and i always try and work with my athletes if i'm doing close one-to-one -one work of doing what if scenario planning exactly like what you're saying what would you do if 
your bike gets a flat um and you know you without going into like using the language or being too clever what would be the first thing you'd do and the other thing i go well i'd really imagine that in a scenario where i've got a flat tire i'd be freaking out a bit going oh my god what the hell so the first thing i need to do is maybe before even fixing the tire is having a conversation with myself and getting myself in a calm place because if i'm panicking and overly worrying and stressing about it i'm going to be flapping at um getting the tire fixed and um that's going to actually add on more time because changing the um inner tube on it's going to take longer and it's going to take me longer to get back on the bike and back back out on the course the first thing i need to practice is being seeing myself having a flat tire having a calm attitude and then like visualizing how i'm going to change the tire and that i'm going to do it as quickly as possible but um without doing it in a in a flapping and uh, stressed state um, and if you invest that time on a scenario such as that, what we know from the science is that it's likely that if that happened to you on race day, you've kind of mentally been there already and you're going to say to yourself, first things, we've got a flat, don't panic, we've got to deal with this situation with what's in front of us, this is how we're going to go about it. So it's like it is mental rehearsal, that's, that's what it's sometimes called. So rehearsing for the what-ifs is definitely a good plan, but probably I would I'd say only once you've kind of got through the initial part of having done some visualization of things going well. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that, that's kind of the caveat I'd give there. Yeah, oh, that's useful. And uh, well, the final tool I want to ask about is uh, mindfulness, meditation, things like that. Is that something that you use or recommend? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that where this can come in really helpful is what we're saying about the nature of the sport. I mean, for some people... Um, meditation is a, uh, it's something that they know they sh- they could do and that they like. But the thing I hear often is either one, I don't have the time to do it or two, um, I've tried it and it's so hard. I can't clear my mind because I'm so busy with my life, my work, my triathlon running, whatever. So what I'd say to that is understandable. It's not for everyone. Um, you can be mindful in your running and, your um long cycling and maybe on your long swim sets um certainly where swimming uh goes i'm i'm not a great swimmer but the swimmers i know who have done the miles um when they talk about following the black line down the pool uh when they're doing their sets you're effectively in a mindful state already so that would be a fantastic place whilst you're actually doing um your training to just be thinking about enjoying the fact you're swimming in the pool yeah you know sometimes a long swim session where it's just long and slow can be quite boring tune into your body tune into the the pool and it can be a you might be working hard but it could be quite a relaxing state similarly if you're doing a long run on a saturday or a sunday and you're out in nature um and you're you know you've you've work really hard in the week you've done the really hard work and channeled all that mental energy into those sessions we want you to just do a long slow run relax your mind um because we know from um the science of sport if you just hammer and tongs doing all your training and overthinking mentally you're fatiguing physically you're fatiguing so just being able to switch off is um incredibly helpful and 
Um, again, in those moments where you're trying to get your sleep in, because sleep's where the recovery from all the good work you've done in your training has happened. I'm a really big fan of yoga nidra and um, non-sleep active deep rest, I think it's called. Um, if you look in the work of uh, Andrew Huberman, there's some great stuff on uh, YouTube. And, and yoga nidra is like a... For people who don't want to meditate or can't meditate, it's a great thing. It's effectively a body scan, and you put it either on your phone or your headphones, and it's someone talking to you, um, getting you to focus on the different parts of your body. So you, they'll say, right, lay down, close your eyes, but don't go to sleep, and listen to what we've got to say. I want you to put your focus on uh, your forehead, and then like put your focus on your ears, then put your focus on your chin, and literally go around your body. And... Doing that exercise, you'll find if you do it for 10 minutes, your brain's active because you're doing something with it, but it's very relaxing because you're not thinking about, oh, that swim set went really badly or, oh my God, my boss at work's been a jerk and I hate my work and I can't wait to leave. You're focused on relaxing, being calm. And if you want to do well, whether you're at the beginning part of your triathlon journey or you're a really experienced athlete, the recovery is just as important, if not more so, than all of the hard work you do in training. So yeah. meditation can particularly help in, in taper and in recovery parts of your journey if you're not doing it in the actual activity itself. Uh, who do you think, it's, you said that it's not for everyone, but for, but for whom do you think meditation could be a, a good idea? Is it people that just struggle to relax, maybe, as you say, struggle to go to sleep or something Uh, or yeah what, what would you say who would be like a candidate for benefiting from it i would say all hard-working triathletes yeah <laughs> if it, if the thing is it's like anything you know we've talked today about self-talk visualization chunking um and now we've talked about mindfulness and relaxation methodologies um if you're a triathlete listening to this and you try all or some of these and one or two of them stick and you use them in your next training block or triathlon fingers crossed you enjoy training with them and two um you might end up using them within your discipline and think we know that um when we look at people who start implementing at least some psychological skills successfully they tend to have a better experience and hopefully that translates in terms of performance as well so I don't think it's it's not about being a type A personality needs this and you know a calmer person doesn't. If you're working super hard, it's just about aiding recovery in my book. Mm, yeah, um, great. So let's move on and talk about some scenarios. And I'm aware mm -hmm. that you have a, a a bit of a, a timeline, so so we will uh, try to keep that. But uh, we yep. spent some time with these tools, but I think it was great and uh, and we got through a lot. But uh, yeah, first of all, uh, somebody dealing with pre-race anxiety, what what would be the advice that you would typically give to that kind of athlete? I mean, this is a great one, uh, Mikhail. I'm glad you asked it because we find that a lot of people get this, whether they're first-timers, really experienced um, uh, participants. It's, it's our body and mind's natural way of saying that something important and significant is coming up. As, as my old professor says, there's a reason why there's all those toilets next to the start line of big competitions um, because we, through anxiety, we get a quickened heart rate. We... Um, Uh, we find our pulse getting um, 
quicker. We find maybe our palms are sweating and maybe we have the urge to poop um, more than normal. Uh, <laughs> no one needs to be too gross on your show, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but these are normal. The, what we've got to understand is it's normal to feel heightened. Um, and if anything, what what the problem is, isn't that we're hyped up. It's just that the interpretation of being hyped up is um, problematic. And um, if you didn't have these feelings, then the, you, you might not perform as well. It's just how you interpret them and saying, actually, I've spent three months training. This is a big day. This matters to me and I want to do well. Um, and again, we talk about trusting the training, trust the process, channeling that feeling into something positive, like rather than it being, oh, my God, I feel really nervous and anxious, you're saying, oh, my God, my body is really full of adrenaline and it's ready to go. Um, I need to be really aware not to go off really quickly when um, the gun goes. But this is a good feeling and change your relationship with it. What I'd advise is if you're doing a big training block, I mean, it'd be hard if you're just doing a super a super sprint or a sprint as your first thing because you're just going to have to work at managing those feelings on the day. But if you're working towards a big competition, but you put yourself into smaller races or different things, you could practice what we're saying here in the smaller races, um, do a little audit at the end. How well did I manage my pre-race adrenaline? Not nerves. How did I manage my pre-race adrenaline? Um, what worked really well? What would I do differently next time? Um, and also I'd say to yourself, when you have those feelings, which might feel a bit overwhelming near the beginning, how quickly did they disappear once you got into the race? Because what we find is the once you actually, the gun goes, you've been swimming, doing a race activity for a few minutes, your heart rate goes down. Um, you're not as hyped up for the whole event. So always have that in your mind. It's just body and mind's natural good response. Mm, yeah, I, I, I really liked the way you framed that with that it's the, the interpretation of what's going on that is the problem not not what is actually going on so that's that's a good way of putting it i think and mm. um another scenario uh we we kind of talked about this a little bit but if you have somebody who seems to struggle when when they get to the crunch point of the race whether it's that they they're just getting to that point where fatigue really sets in in a longer race or or perhaps some some kind of obstacle uh comes up but basically when 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 there are tough points in the race they seem to struggle what what how would you advise an athlete like that well again we've we've touched on it earlier in our conversation today and that that's around like anticipating first of all that this could happen and that again it's quite normal that if you're pushing yourself wherever you are in the um, race pack um you're going to be feeling if you're doing a good job that it's bloody hard <laughs> um and that you know the more racing and training that you do where you're pushing yourself and you equip yourself with some tools to talk yourself through it think about that in a coach you know that i talked about right back at the beginning what would your inner coach say to you to encourage you they'd support you they'd be saying come on Mikhail. um it is really hard but you know you've come this far um push yourself keep going keep going talk positive stay positive what can you do to make the um experience better say you're um on your bike and you're fatiguing think about how is my body feeling? Do a little body scan of like all the different parts of your body and like how they feel. If they're okay, all right. What about your fueling and hydration? Are you on point with that? Do you need to 
top up on any of those areas. Think about your body position on the bike. You know, are you just too hunched up? Are you not relaxed enough? Is your cadence not where it should be? And like gives yourself some some pointers. And if you're thinking about the instruction, if you're thinking about the little audit check, what you're not doing is like getting attached to um, oh my God, I'm feeling really tired. I feel awful. I feel like I want to quit. You've got to train your mind towards more helpful ways of thinking uh, that are going to help performance. And, you know, you could try it once and it doesn't quite work and like your your mind is still racing. And then you might instead like think, okay, well, what I might do for, a, uh, I've tried the body scan here and I feel like I'm hydrated enough, but it's still really hurting. I'm going to chunk from that lamppost to the tree in the distance and just get from that point to that point and then we'll see where we are and then you could keep going through those kind of um tools yeah and and one more scenario if you have an athlete coming to you and they just really struggle with low self-confidence they might be a, a really good athlete but they just can't uh they just don't see themselves that way like what 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 advice would you give in that situation Well, I mean, without knowing the athlete themselves, it's hard because different people have different levels of confidence, high and low, for different reasons. So I think you need to maybe, usually the athlete needs to be a bit more fair on themselves, a bit more kinder um, in what they're doing. Because they're usually, if you talk to them, uh, I find they're working really hard. They're they're training a a lot. Um, They've got races coming up. And it's just what I'm saying there about the nature of the way they talk to themselves. It could be that some of that um, conversation is a bit broader than just um, how they feel about their racing and triathlon at the time. It could be that it's a bit deeper about them as a person and not feeling as good as like the other competitors that they're going to be racing against. Um, and it's about being able to take the step back and look at Think about what you're doing and think about what you're doing well. Um, if you're training really hard and you're going in for races and you're doing the best that you can at that time for that event, you should be rewarding yourself and not like mentally beating yourself up. There's definitely areas of your triathlon where you could be getting better. And the same for every single competitor. You know, there's no competitor out there who could not benefit from more, uh, slightly improved training, slightly improved psychology, slightly improved strength and conditioning, or whatever it might be. But in the moment that you're in, how well are you doing? And like, give yourself the pat on the back, <laughs> reward yourself. Um, and and what I often talk about is this concept of uh, uh, confidence is currency. So if you add up all the different little bits of things you're doing well, that's actually a pretty good you know that 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 five or ten things that's a good block of confidence you should have and like you could put that towards you know making yourself feel better about your training making yourself feel better about your triathlon make yourself feel better about your upcoming competition keep accruing more and more confidence and then when you look back in taper at like how far you've come and that you've ticked off every session you're hitting some good paces you you your coach might be happy with everything you've done even if you're feeling a bit crappy about it you should like actively try and add those things up and like pat yourself on the back to give yourself the best chance of allowing yourself to perform as well as possible come race day how much do you think that comparison to others uh plays a role when it comes to self-confidence like for example i 
I think it's quite normal the way I see that, let's say we take a swim squad, you're in lane four, the slowest lane, and then you work Mm. hard and you manage to get faster, you move up to lane three. And instead of being happy with how much quicker you are than you used to be, instead of just comparing yourself to the people in level three, now you're comparing yourself to the people in level two and you're just as unhappy because (laughs) you still have another level to move up. But then the problem is, of course, there's always another level even for well for almost every single athlete in the world there's another level that you can get to one at least one athlete who is faster than you in the world and you're always looking up and comparing to others rather than uh, comparing to yourself let's say a month ago or a year ago Hmm. i i did actually work with a triathlete who had this very problem in his past and he he was reading some philosophy piece about um comparison is the thief of joy and he had done triathlons and was going into a uh, half Ironman that he and his friends were going to be taking part in. He knew he was the slowest of the group of three, but he was like, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to be putting more of myself into this training. I'm going to make it more self-referenced, more self-focused, and I'm going to get better. And when my brain goes to start comparing to, um, others i'm just going to have that mantra comparison is the thief of joy and i i just be going back over my you know he had his training peaks data and his garmin data and he was like look out you know if he'd, he'd tell himself to look at that and see how better he was doing than he had ever done before and it's hard because it is by its nature you're in a com- competition and you want to beat the people but you can only perform to the best of your trained ability on the day (laughs) you you can't like quantum leap to the top of the tree if your body and mind aren't trained to that level so it's about getting comfortable with what you've got and maximizing that on race day and i think that's a good starting point at the very least yeah 100 agree like that's actually one of my pet peeves i was watching a race the other weekend and while a triathlon and one of the commentators said when he, he was getting to the the final part of the race and there uh, a couple of athletes in the running and and they said that now it just comes down to who wants it more but but when you know this athlete you know that well one athlete is clearly the slightly but still superior athlete to the other so it's not really about who wants it more like there's one athlete that is physically at just uh, a little bit of a higher level so and of course that athlete ended up winning it's i think that sometimes we use the how bad do you want it as a as a crutch like it's not mm. uh, yeah yeah of course like your physical ability is uh going to put a ceiling on what you can achieve and then your mental uh, ability can help you reach that ceiling basically or do you see it that way yeah you know if you if you can maximize your performance on the day uh, from and, and you've given yourself all the training and the opportunity um you've got to look at the success at that and then use that as a platform for maybe next time yeah um some other general questions uh what do you think you i think you also mentioned a little bit about this in at at the beginning but if you don't have any like specific issues like uh, you don't have pre-race anxiety or you don't suffer from low self-confidence um can sports psychology still like how does sports psychology still play into how you can get become better as an athlete it's like what i said right back at the beginning that um you know, like strength and conditioning, with a little bit of analysis, you'll find areas that you know you can get better at. Um, maybe it's training mentality, maybe it's race mentality, um, and it's just about p- 
putting I don't think I've ever met an athlete who doesn't really acknowledge the the power of the mind to improve how they perform whatever that looks like um and whether or not it's working with a professional or using some self-help um, guides or online help um there's definitely areas where everyone can get better um you might go well you're a sports psyching it's your business so of course you're going to say that but um a strength coach would probably say well you know most athletes could improve their glute strength their hamstrings or whatever and or, or any part of it um and i'm just very aware that you've only got so many hours in the day as an athlete um and you know i just always work on the adage do what you can and even a little bit of it is better than nothing at all yeah it's a chance <laughs> and uh are there any of any things that you measure within sports psychology uh like any can, can you make it objective in any way like whether an athlete is improving or or is it more based on subject more subjective feedback from the athlete of course you can objectively measure performance in training and racing but but are yeah can are there any kind of parameters that can be measured in sports psychology if we're looking for like um like a one rep max equivalent <laughs> i think we're going to struggle yeah um what i'd like to do with my athletes is like as quickly as we can when we work together is to share their training schedule um, online and then add in some um, psych elements to their training log because I find a lot of athletes, particularly say triathletes, are very data driven and very mechanical and um, physical focus. And maybe the, if, you know, if you are a super competitive athlete and maybe you're a bit cynical about the kind of work I do, fine, you know, it, take what I say with a pinch of salt and take from it whatever you want. And if it's not for you, that's, that's, I've got no ego about it. Um, but if you can, you know, like if you think about these psych skills, they're ones that you, if you work out a little bit more, you could gain that edge over your competitor. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're very outcome driven like that, by all means, you know, like whatever motivates you. Um, but uh, I, I like to sort of get people to think, look at their training plan and like keep some kind of log of like, how would you rate your um, performance in across all the different sessions you've done? And, you know, you could have a really bad session, which maybe you cut short because um, it's the right thing to do because something twinges, but you could still give yourself a high mark for that session because you showed up and you did everything to the best of your ability. And you made a sensible, wise athlete decision. You add up all those um scores at the end of your training block and that should give you something more um uh tangible the way you can be like oh my god i've done really well on both how i was thinking during my training and how i rated myself you know you talked about how do you improve your self-confidence there's one way but also putting some more rich detail into like your training other than smashed six by 800 okay well why was that so good if you smashed it, there's probably a psych element where you you won the mental battle of the track that night. What was it that helped you win that mental battle? Put that in your training notes, and then when you go through it in taper, you're going to build m so much confidence from looking back and like knowing, oh, I used that in the that part of my training. I used that in that part of my training, and you've got that competitive advantage. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, can you describe what it's like working with a sports psychologist, whether it's you or somebody else? Is this something that uh, that is typically a weekly session or biweekly? And and what is the yeah number and frequency of tip sessions? Th- that kind of thing, just to get to give an idea of what what it's like. Um, so when I've worked with people in the past year, in particular in endurance sport, I've really tried to be saying to people the best way to do this is maybe we meet just as you're going into a training block and we do a bit of an audit and find your strengths. What are your super strengths? What are the areas for development? What are you trying to achieve in this particular event? And where I've, where I've shifted with my work is just setting a number of sessions that we would do. Typically we're looking at something like 12 or one a week, one every 10 days over the course of your, training block if you've never done this so i've got high-end people who've never done sports psychology i've got beginners who've never done it (laughs) um but often those those people who do so much try or or marathons or whatever they've got a really good skill base already but they just don't know it (laughs) and then it's like bringing attention to where they're good and then like you could be working on this area this area and having the accountability is where people feel like it adds value because they might have a coach already, but then when they've got a psych as well, then it's like they can talk about other things outside of the sport, which might be problematic because you could be doing all the right things in your training. But if life's a bit chaotic out of your sport, then that's not going to help your recovery in order to help your performance. So sometimes people want a little bit of that as well. Um, But yeah, it could be that it's a longer engagement like that. Sometimes I have athletes who are really, really good and we just need, they've got one specific thing where they've got like a particular problem and we could maybe go over it in one or two sessions. Um, uh, they're very rare. I did work with someone in the last three or four months, which who came and we did two sessions um, for a particular event and we just absolutely, we they knew what they wanted we got straight down to business for that particular thing and that worked. But generally a slightly longer engagement is better because then like they see the journey and uh, it's just, it just helps build that confidence over the cycle. So when they get to their race, they're just like pumped and ready and can't wait to go. Hmm. Just out of curiosity w- without revealing details uh, about who, who it was or what the event was, but what, what was that particular thing? Like to give an example of what, what a, a small detail like that can be. So this guy in particular that came to me, he had a problem about like he was very fast and he knew that if he was going to go and achieve his target time, that he would have to go to a potentially mental place that he had never gone to before and push and have some specific um, tools to help him through that. Some of which we touched on earlier in our conversation but he's like, that's my problem. Everything else in my performance, I've got all sorted. I don't need any help with, but can you help me with that? And it's like, right. And he was so fired up because he was he was so specific. We had two sessions and he did get a seven-second PB. So I'm not saying it's all me, <laughs> but we helped him get through a bit of a mental barrier that he was trying to get through. Mm, brilliant. And uh, for those listeners that uh, that are interested in this topic, but for whatever reason, they they can't start working with a sports psychologist you mentioned already how bad do you want it as a as a book that can help or do you have any other books or resources that you would mention for listeners 
Okay, so um, <laughs> I've just interviewed Matt Fitzgerald for my podcast, and um, he does a great book uh, called Comeback Quotient, which has quite a big um, uh, triathlon angle because he was um, training for an Ironman. And so for triathletes, they'll be quite interested in that. And it, it was he was having to struggle through an injury rehab pro- process with that, so that might talk to you. Um, in terms of other books, uh, as I said, I'd worked for Steve Peters for um, – four or five years um, before I set my consultancy up. Um, The Chimp Paradox is really good. Athletes can really get their head around the concept of um, the chimp and the um, human and the model for their racing. It's not a sports-specific book, but um, you can join the dots if if you're pretty smart without being, like, it's straightforward. It's not. It's not complex. Um, and and when I've worked with athletes, they they like that concept because they can understand where um, that part of their psyche is impacting their performance. Yeah. And uh, if you can summarize this discussion and or leave the listeners with one to three key takeaways, what would those be? Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that is a that is a seriously tough question. Um, but I'll go right back to the beginning here. That a self aware athlete is um, gonna probably be worth their weight in gold at whatever level because they've got an honesty about one that drive to get better, but also a willingness to expose their vulnerabilities and frailties that they need to work on. Um, and I'd say just taking a bit, people just in an endurance sport, I see quite a lot of people blindly signing up for one competition, then the next, then the next, then the next. And they're not really learning from where things have gone well and where things haven't so much um, between competitions. And they still want to get better. So it's like, well, have you taken the time to stop and work out what hasn't gone so well in a previous race, whether that's something physical or mechanical psychological if it is psychological what what was the thing or things that you found hard but also when you're doing a bit of self-awareness and analysis like that be really fair to yourself because sometimes when you ask people to do this they'll just like oh i was crap here and i was awful here and i was terrible but you you've done really well you've also got things which you've done really really well maybe you just got to the start and you felt really good you didn't have pre-race anxiety record that so Work out what your relative strengths and um, areas for development are would be the first thing. Second thing, I'd probably go to, are you having good conversations with yourself in training and racing? <laughs> Very basic. Um, and that's talking to the self-taught piece. And very competitive athletes are the ones I find will often be the ones who say the harshest things to themselves because they're pushing themselves so hard. They almost need to be a really tough critic. I'd say, could you tone down some of what you're saying and make it more helpful to performance? It doesn't need to be all um, rainbows and unicorns, but certainly are you? is what you're saying to yourself advantageous to what you're trying to achieve? So that'd be the second thing. And the third thing is, and this actually comes from uh, Mr. Fitzgerald himself, is um, just things will go wrong in your event. Um, don't panic and he he worked with the pros for uh, for one of his races where he trained with them as well and he said the thing he noticed between pro level athletes and most people like us Mikhail here you know um 
weekend warriors, excited amateurs, whatever you want to call this, is that the pros just don't let small, don't sweat the small stuff so much. So like try and nurture a calmer way of thinking when it comes to your training. If a session doesn't go so well, yeah, you know, it's disappointing, but get it in context and like make the next session better, but understand why the one you just did wasn't so bad. And you know, like for racing competition, put yourself in as good a place as possible before your race to give yourself the chance that you've trained for for three months. And then during the race, if things go wrong, don't panic and just manage the situation to the best of your ability because that's probably going to get you time or nearer the time or the performance you want. Yeah. And uh, let's do the rapid fire question. So take just one sentence to answer each of these. And the sure. first one is, what's your favorite book or resource related to endurance sports or sports psychology? I would say run like a pro, even if you're slow, just to get a, uh, an insight into how the pros train um, in every aspect of their sport. Who's the author of that book? Uh, uh, ben Rosario and Matt Fitzgerald. Okay. And what's an important habit that you've benefited from athletically, professionally, or personally? I think the one thing that I've experienced personally and I've seen in athletes where they've made the step up is owning your performance, like truly owning it and saying if a performance wasn't good enough, right, I'm going to really do it better next time. And I didn't do so well last time because it was on my shoulders and I'm going to make the change. That's, that's got to be behind the, the improvement decision. And finally, who's somebody that you look up to or that has inspired you? In sport or just generally? Just generally. No, uh, no qualifier on that question. Which person inspires me? Um, I'm going to go a little left field for sports psychology. There's a practitioner who probably isn't known that well, but whose writing is very eloquent and interesting and maybe a little bit more for the professional, as in not the professional athlete, but professional sports psychologist. But his books read really well, even for a lay reader. And that's a guy called Mark Anderson, uh, who's Australian. And he's done various sports psychology books, some of which are, mate, are for athletes and the, and the public. Um, I'll try and send over a link or two for your show notes, maybe, if that's going to yep. help your yeah, listeners. But, but his writing is, is brilliant. And like, he's done some stuff on um, anything from Buddhism within sport to sexuality, as well as high-end performance. And the way this guy thinks, I just really really like and it, it 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 talks to the best part of performance for me mm. and uh finally to uh tell us where can where can we follow you and find you online and on social media and so on okay so i have a podcast as well like you uh it's called the focus mind podcast and um i have interviewed triathletes and triathlon coaches on there as well as other endurance sport sport people in cycling and running and people outside of those domains so that's probably a good starting point that's tied into my website focus mind coaching which is focusmindcoaching.co.uk one s in focused and you can find out about the kind of work that i do there on social media 
focus my coaching on Instagram is probably the one channel that I use these days. I don't really go for Twitter and LinkedIn anymore. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Stu. Uh, it's been great to have a chat with you and I hope to do it again another time. Brilliant. And Mikhail, thanks for having such strong, helpful questions, which I hope your audience can take something from and use in their performance. Thanks for your time today. I hope that you enjoyed that interview. As always, you can find the show notes on scientifictriathlon.com. I have a bunch of links there, uh, the books that we talked about, but also a bunch of uh, past episodes on this podcast relating to sports psychology. So you can go and have a look there. And of course, uh, links to Focus Mind Coaching, which is to practice the website, the podcast, and the Instagram. Next Monday, I interview Andy Blow from Precision Fuel and Hydration, and he shares the exact numbers of carbohydrate, fluid, and sodium intake that pro athletes from Kona and 73 words working with precision fuel, fuel and hydration had so it will be a unique insight into their strategy and we get some key takeaways and tips for what we can learn about racing in those two very different uh, sets of environmental conditions if you want to improve your triathlon performance and want help to achieve your goals then consider working with a scientific triathlon coach or training plan whether you're just getting into triathlon trying to qualify for a world championship event or even want to race professionally we have experience in all of those scenarios and we'd love to discuss further around if and how we can help you on your triathlon journey find out more and contact us on scientifictriathlon.com and we can discuss your specific goals and needs and see what's best for you Finally, big thanks to our sponsors, Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, and exceptional sunglasses and prescription glasses for everything from day-to-day wear to extreme action sports. Use the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS to get 20% off your entire Roka order. And thank you to Zenate. Use the Zenate Swim Trainer to improve your technique, power, stamina, and swim training consistency. Try the Zenate risk-free for up to 30 days and get the special TTS bundle including the Swim Trainer and a number of Zenate training plans and on-demand workouts on www.sanatesumture.com for slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving crafting.